You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm chapter 78 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Verse number four, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Verse 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you'd speak to us now through your word. I thank you for the privilege that we have to hold your word in our hands and to read it, to study it. I thank you for the opportunity I have and the privilege I have to stand before this uh, wonderful church family today to preach what thus saith the Lord. I pray that you give us all something that we need today. I pray for uh, maybe some in this room or some watching the service online or some that are listening on the radio uh, that do not know Christ as Savior. I pray today would be the day of their salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Psalm 78 is the passage that the pastor, uh, Pastor Andy Harold. Uh, he preached from this passage last Sunday morning. Uh, I sat out last Sunday morning in the parking lot while he preached the drive-in service. And I, of course, we had a great drive-in service this morning. Had a great crowd and a uh, uh, good, good group of folks that were here. That parking lot was full. And I thank the Lord for that. But I sat out in that parking lot last Sunday morning. And as he preached, and he preached a powerful message about being prepared for spiritual battle. And uh, he used that verse in verse number uh, nine about how the children of Ephraim, they were armed and they had their bows and they had their weapons, but they, they turned back in the day of battle. He preached a powerful message. But as he was preaching last Sunday morning at nine o'clock, sitting out in this parking lot, I was there as he was preaching. And as he was preaching, God used verse number seven to speak to my heart. And right away, when I heard that, it seemed like God kind of impressed that upon my heart. I knew that's what I'd preach today. It says in verse number seven, that they might set their hope in God. I want to encourage you today to set your hope in God. To set something, it literally is the idea of taking something and placing it in a certain spot. If I were to take my Bible and I were to take my Bible and I were to place my Bible uh, on this rail, then I have set something in a certain spot. Well, you and I, we all have hope. You say, well, well, what's hope? Well, hope doesn't mean a hope so or a maybe so. It doesn't mean a wishful thinking kind of a hope. But hope literally means a confidence. 
It means a trust. It means that we believe that God is going to do something. We're not walking around with our fingers crossed just thinking, well, I don't know, maybe so, maybe not. Oh, no. A hope is a confidence that we have in God. Friend, I want to encourage you today as you leave out of here in a few minutes, I want to encourage you to set your hope in God. Can I tell you, people will let you down. Uh, possessions come and go. Jobs come and go. Uh, sports comes and goes. And hobbies come and go. And, and, and uh, uh, the economy goes up and it goes down. And politicians come and go. And, and people that you love and people that you respect they come and go. But I want to tell you today, there's one thing that never changes, and that is the God in heaven who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to encourage you to set your hope in God. During the war for independence, there was initially, there was a great excitement. There was a, a spirit of enthusiasm from the, the colonists as they were fighting Great Britain as they were fighting for their independence. But something happened. The newness wore off and the excitement wore off and they realized that, uh-oh, fighting a battle is dangerous and fighting a battle is hard. And their excitement that was at an all-time high, it very quickly went to an all-time low. General George Washington said later, he said that there were many men who preferred to remain home in the safety of what he called their chimney corner. He said, we got a lot of men that could be fighting. We've got a lot of men that could be in the battle, but they're, they're too comfortable in their chimney corner. They're, 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 having, they're, they're having the time to, to, to be safe and to be warm and to be at home when he said we need them on the battlefield. Many volunteers had rushed to enlist in the battle. But when the hostilities began, George Washington predicted that after the first emotions are over, those who were willing to serve from a belief in the goodness of the cause would amount to little more than a drop in the ocean. He said when, when, when people realized that it was hard and people realized that it was difficult and when they got their eyes off the cause, he said, we are going to be in trouble. And he was correct. As the war progressed, many colonies could no longer rely upon volunteers, but many colonies had to offer money they had to offer supplies. They had to offer uh, clothing and blankets and, and extended furloughs. They had to try to offer a lot of incentives just to get people to enlist. Well, I want to tell you this, friend. We are in a battle, and we are Christian soldiers that are fighting against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we need some people that will get out of the chimney corner we need some people in 2021 that will say, I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. I'm not ashamed to say that I believe the Bible. It may not be politically correct. It may not be applauded by the news media. The people at the workplace may think I'm a little nutty, but my hope is set upon God. I want to encourage you today to get your hope back on God. 
We, we're running those buses today. It's been over a year because of the pandemic. But can I tell you, over this last year, I've tried to preach. I've tried to stress. I've tried to reiterate to you that our hope is in God. Our hope is not in the White House. Our hope is not in Washington, D.C. Our hope is not in Raleigh. And by the way, no matter who was elected or not elected, our hope is not in D.C. And our hope is not in Raleigh, but our hope is in the Lord. I want to tell you it's time to get your hope back on God. Psalm 42, David said, uh, why art thou cast down? He said, why are you discouraged? He was talking to himself. He said, why are you discouraged? He said, your hope, your confidence is in God. The Bible says in Romans 15, now the God of hope. I'm glad that our God is a God of hope. You say, I don't have any hope. Well, I'll tell you what, if you got God, you got hope. Amen. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that ye may abound in hope. Say, Pastor, I feel like I'm running out of hope. I feel like hope is kind of like the gas gauge in my car. It seems like it's always on empty. Well, you know why? That's because you let other family members drive that vehicle, right? And they always take it out full and they always bring it back empty. But you say, I feel like my hope is on empty. Well, it doesn't have to be on empty, friend, because God can make your hope abound. He can make it full. He can give you joy. He can give you peace. He can give you confidence and have the hope in God that it may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 2, verse 12, the Bible gives us a very sad verse. It says there are people that are without God and without hope. If you're here today and you do not know the Lord, if you're here today and you have never put your faith and trust in Christ and you have never become a child of God, I want to tell you, you're not going to find hope. People look for hope and they look for it in drinking and people look for hope in drugs and they look for hope in immorality and they look for hope in, in success and they look for hope in promotion or a, a better job or a, a nicer house or a, a newer car and people find themselves empty because those things do not bring hope. Only God can give you hope. We see in this passage, Psalm 78, it says that they might set their hope in God. Well, who's they? It's talking about the children. But I want to say this. If our children are ever going to set their hope in God, they've got to first see it in us. We can't pass something to our children that we don't have. Have you ever seen a relay race? And in that relay race, they, they go to pass the baton. And that baton is fumbled or, or that baton is dropped. Well, in some cases, it's the fault of the one that is receiving it. But in some cases, it's the fault of the one who's passing it on. You have to make sure that the person has a good grip before you let go. And friend, I want to tell you, we better have a good grip on what we believe and have a good grip on the Bible so we can pass it down to the next generation. Psalm 78, it says they're uh, the children. It says the fathers. It says the generation to come. It says the children which should be born. It is stressed that if we want our children or if you want your grandchildren or if you want your Sunday school class, or if you want the generation coming after you, if you want them to have hope in God, that means that you've got to have hope in God for yourself. 
That means you've got to have it settled and you must set your hope in God. Very quickly this morning, how do we set our hope in God? Number one, I see we set our hope in God by hearing the word. Verse number three, the Bible says, uh, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Friend, I got good news for you today. We've got the word of God. Uh, we've got the Bible. Uh, I hold in my hand a copy of the inspired, the inerrant, the infallible, the preserved word of God. I don't stand up here to correct the Bible. I don't stand up here to say, well, the Bible should have said this and it should have said this and it meant this here. I stand up here today to preach what the Bible says to people as they are. But can I tell you this? We have the Bible. Many of us have multiple copies of the Bible. I was thinking this week, and I should have gone through, I was going to go through the house and count up all the Bibles we have in our house. All of our girls have Bibles, and my wife's got a couple Bibles, and I have a couple Bibles, but that's a lot of Bibles. But I got news for you. The Bibles don't do you a lot of good unless you open them. The Bible doesn't do you a lot of good unless you read it, unless you study it, unless you let the Bible get inside of you. We must hear the Word. We are hearing a lot of things today. I'll say this, I'm not against listening to the news, so please, please understand, and I'll, I'll preface what I'm going to say by saying it's okay to watch the news. I don't think that's a bad thing to do. I think it's probably a good thing to be informed on what's going on. I think it's good to make sure you're informed on what is actually going on and make sure your source is good. But I don't think the news is a bad thing. But I'll say this, and I'll say this as kindly as I know how. If you are more concerned every day with hearing the news than you are with reading the Word of God, your hope is not in God. If you are more concerned every day with reading the morning paper, and I'm not against reading the paper. I think that's fine. I think it's wonderful. But if you are more concerned every day with reading the morning paper, written by who knows who, who knows where, and you're more concerned with what that paper has to say, then with what the Word of God has to say, then you are revealing to yourself that your hope is not in God. If I can get all worked up over the news and I can get all defeated and depressed because of the newspaper and I don't go to the Word of God, then what I am admitting to myself is that I have more confidence in world events and world leaders than I have in the God who made the world. Friend, I want to tell you, we've got to get our hope back in God. We do so by hearing the word. If you're more concerned with social needs than you are with spiritual needs, then your hope is not in God. I'm not against helping people with social projects. I think people do need food, and I think people need water, and I think people need medical attention. And we've got a lot of missionaries that use those things so that they can present the gospel. I'm not against those things. But let's not lose sight that the greatest need that people have in this world today is a need to hear the gospel and a need to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. What good does it do to have more food or more water or more medical attention if all it does is it helps you to be healthier as you step into eternity apart from God? We must get our focus back on spiritual needs. We must get our focus back on what thus saith the Lord. Some of us get more excited about hobbies 
and we get more excited about sports than we do the things of God, if so, then our hope is not in God. If you think that a governor or you think that a president or you think that a, an organization is going to turn this nation around, I got news for you, your hope is not in God. We must set our hope in God. I, we, I mentioned it at the, at the drive-in and I try to always say the same, the same things, not always exactly word for word. But I made this statement at the drive-in and I probably made some people mad, but that's okay. It's, uh, I've been nice for several weeks in a row with Easter and then we had a guest speaker and I didn't even have a chance to offend anybody last Sunday. But I'll say this, some of you, uh, I shouldn't say some of you, I should say some of us, we're very disappointed with the last presidential election. But can I tell you this? Who is in the White House is not as important as the fact that God's people get back to his house. And I say that, I know people are watching online and I, there's many folks watching online. I've encouraged you to keep watching online. We had many at that drive-in service and I, I always tell our drive-in people, hey, when you're comfortable and for some, you may not be able to come back. I look at Miss Drew, who's here, and Brother Fields and Miss Tivy. I have told all of them they probably shouldn't come back yet until they're comfortable. But can I tell you this? If you're more concerned with the White House than you are with God's house, that tells me that your hope is not really in God. Now, we may say it, right? We may say, oh, no, I hope in God and I trust in God. But we're living as if our hope is with a person. I'm going to go a step further so some of you know just how serious I am about this. If your hope is in a pastor, then you have misplaced your hope because pastors come and go. Pastors change. Uh, pastors disappoint. I think in, in some cases, maybe there's been a pastor who's either moved away or a pastor who has passed away. And you say, oh, I'm so disappointed in that. And, and, and by the way, I hope you miss him. I hope you miss me when I'm gone uh, in about 50 years after I'm done tormenting you. I hope you miss me. I hope you'll come to my funeral. I hope you'll at least shed at least one tear before the celebration begins. But can I tell you this? If you're placing your trust and your confidence in a pastor, you've missed it. Because pastors are human. Case in point, yours truly right here. If I haven't disappointed you yet, hold on tight because it's coming. I'm going to say something to offend you. I'm going to not say something that offends you. I promise you it will happen. But the Bible does not say, let's teach our children to set their hope in a pastor. It doesn't say teach your children to set your hope in a Sunday school teacher or set your hope in a spiritual person. It says set your hope in God. Have I made that clear? We must set, we must place our hope in God. Number one, it comes by hearing the word of God. Number two, it comes from heeding the warnings. Notice what it says in verse number eight. We want our children to set their hope in God. And it says in verse eight, and not be as their fathers. Oh, here we go. These fathers, these were wicked devils here. These fathers, I bet you I know what they were doing. They were probably out worshiping idols and they were probably out uh, calling out to Satan and they were probably out uh, 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 robbing banks and they were probably killing people and they were probably cussing and that's probably what they were doing. No, 
Notice what it says. It says, warning, don't be like your fathers. You know what the fathers were doing? The Bible says that they were stubborn and they were rebellious. And it says this, that they set not their heart aright and their spirit was not steadfast with God. You know what the warning is? Don't be like your fathers. Don't be like the people that were not right with God in their heart. Can I tell you, our heart must be right with God. You've got to work at it. I've got to work at it every single day. Sometimes the easiest thing we do is get dressed up for church, tuck our Bible under our arm, walk through the doors with a smile. How you doing? Good to see you, boy. The Lord is so good. And we know all the things to say when in reality, our heart is not right with God. You say, well, I'm not right with God, so I just won't come to church. No, keep coming to church and let God get you right as you keep coming. But can I tell you, people don't usually, in my, in my experience, what I've seen and what I've witnessed, people don't usually fall into sin overnight or just on the spur of the moment. But usually it's something that starts in the heart and they drift away and it's real gradual. It's real gradual and the next thing you know, they've gotten so far away from God because their heart was not right. If you're going to set your hope in God, number one, you've got to hear the word. Number two, you must heed the warnings. But then number three, we must hold up the works of God. Notice what it says in verse number uh, 11. It says they forget. They forgot the works of God. They forgot his wonders that he had showed them. What a sad commentary. Verse number seven, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. What were these works? Would you notice with me in verse number 11? They forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and he caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand as an heap. You know what was the first miracle that God did for Israel? He got them out of Egypt. He sent those plagues, and then after those plagues, he parted the Red Sea, and he rescued them from the bondage that they were in in the land of Egypt. Hang on. Let's bring it to where we live. You know what was the greatest miracle that God did in your life? You say, well, Pastor, you don't know. You don't know all that God's done in my life. No, you're right. I don't know all that God's done. But I'll tell you the greatest miracle that God's done in your life it was the day he saved you. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you're missing out on the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle of all was when God reached down into that horrible pit and he pulled you up out of the miry clay and he set your feet upon a rock and he established your going and you're going and he established your direction and God gave you purpose and God gave you meaning and God gave you eternal life. And the Bible says that you were passed from death unto life. You became a new creature. Your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life. And you know why some people don't set their hope in God? Because they forgot how God saved them. I wonder today, and I'm not asking you to come up and, and, and confess your sins to me, but I'm asking you this. Uh, when was the last time that you told somebody about the day you got saved? I wonder, do your children even know how you got saved? 
Do your grandchildren even know about the day that you trusted Christ as Savior? Do people at work know that you've been born again? Do people even know about the greatest miracle of all, the day that God saved you? Can I tell you how they got off track and they did not set their hope in God? Because they stopped holding up. They stopped showing the works that God had done. They forgot His wonders. All of the many things that God had done, it goes through Psalm 78 and it lists them over and over and over and over again. And all of the miracles were great. But I'll say this, you can't really experience God's blessings until you first get born again. What good do all the blessings do and what what good does all the daily bread accomplish if you're not even saved? You see, if God can get you out of Egypt, If God could lead his people out of Egypt, guess what? He can take care of them in the wilderness. If God can save your soul from hell, then he can meet your needs. But we have forgotten how God saved us. We have forgotten what we used to be. The choir sang this morning that God came. He came to rescue a sinner like me. You know what we all were? We were sinners. You know what we are now? Sinners that have been saved by grace. I wonder today, my question as we close this service is, have you been saved? It's hard to tell somebody about something if you've never experienced it. And I'm talking to a whole host of folks in this auditorium. I said the same thing to our drive-in. I say the same thing to those watching online. Have you ever been saved? Have you ever been born again? I think it's going to be an awful day at the great white throne judgment. It's a place where every person will stand that has not been saved. And I think it's going to be an awful day for some because I think there will be some that stand at the great white throne judgment and the books will be open and God will say, I'm sorry, your name is not written in this book and you will be cast into a lake of fire. And here's the tragedy is you heard it so many times you had so many opportunities but you kept saying no or you kept saying i'll do it later you kept saying what will people think but can i tell you this there's coming a day when there won't be another opportunity and if you've never been saved let today be the day that you become a child of god Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.